being here tonight. I'd like you to take your Bible to turn to 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, verse 15, if you would please. 1 John. Love them songs tonight. They're wonderful. Wonderful. Glory to God. Now, thank you. They'd already got that up there. 1 John. 1 John, please. I gave you probably the wrong thing. 1 John 5 and 14. This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything concerning his will, he heareth us. He heareth us. And verse 15, And if we know that he heareth us, we ask we know that we have petition that we ask. We're going to title this tonight, Count on an Answer. Look for the answer. Expect an answer. He shall ask. I think I got mixed up there a little bit. And uh, on those scriptures. But it says, He shall ask and God will give him the one he prays for, life from sin. So when we pray, our number one prayer, really prayer develops us more than it does anything else when we pray. But he says here he shall ask and God will give him the one he prays for, life from that of sin. Peter said, as long as I'm in this flesh, I'm going to stir up your pure mind by the way of remembrance. It's a good thing to remember some things sometime. Then we read in verse 16, If anyone sees his brother commit a sin which is not unto death. In other words, there's a sin unto death that we can't pray for and get them delivered. God told Samuel, don't pray for Saul no more. I don't want to hear his name anymore. I have rejected him. So when there is a sin unto death, he says, you can't pray for that, so God's not going to hear that. He shall ask, and he shall give according to his will. God has a will when we ask for these things. And we are the children of the greatest king in the world. He calls us kings and priests. I'd like if you got your Bibles, I didn't give this to them. Take turn to the book of Matthew, the seventh chapter, if you would. Matthew 7. In verse 7, we're going to read down a little bit. And Jesus asked, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. Verse 8. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and then him that seeketh findeth. To him that knocketh, it shall be opened. So he teaches us, to pray but God asks us sometimes to identify what we want 
we have to be specific sometimes exactly what we want. We find in Genesis 11 and 6, the Tower of Babylon, and the Lord said the people are one, and they have one language. Now nothing that they purchase purpose to do will not be impossible for them. Once we purpose in our heart, speaking what we want does not bring what we get. It has to come from our heart. There's got to be a heart in this thing. I want to speak a little bit tonight about changing the impossible to the possibilities. Changing things. Believing things. Henry Ford called his engineers in and, and said, I want a V8 engine. Most of you don't know what a V8 engine is, do you? You probably rode up in one tonight. But back then, there was nothing but flatheads. But most of you probably don't know what a flathead is. But it was just a flathead engine. But he said, I will have a V8. The engineers said, it's impossible. It can't be done. He said, well, go, go to work on it. They come back after some time, and what did they say? impossible it can't be done he said go back and go back to work on it i will have a v8 engine you say what's that got to do with it and eventually they come back and said what we've got it a v8 engine changing the impossible we're surrounded by people all day long if we're out in the world that believes in what the impossible and they spread impossible news John F. Kennedy called some of the high engineers to his office and said we will put a man on the moon by the 1st of June what they say can't be done the top engineer space people told him directly it can't be done he said I will have a man on the moon by the 1st of June so the man went home. After he studied it a little while in his mind, he called, wanted to meet with the president again, and what did he say? I can do it. If we have the mindset, one thing is a problem in this world, I've got a wrong mindset. We have to believe that God is able to do anything we ask of him. So we have to believe these things. And the Wright brothers decided to build a what? And what did they say? Impossible. It is said while he was, they was building this plane and rolling it out to try it the first time, their father was a preacher down the street preaching, if God wanted man to fly, he would give him wings. But that plane only flew a few feet. That was the beginning of what people said is what? Impossible. Things are what? We need to race that out of our mind, impossible, and have in our mind nothing but what? Possible. It's possible with God. All things are possible with God. Mark 11 25 says this. Everything you ask and pray for, believe that you have it already, and it will be yours. And when God said, if you'll speak to this mountain, 
He didn't say if you'll pray. He said if you'll what? He didn't say if you ask, but he said if you what? Speak. There's some things that God does not expect us to pray about. He wants us to take the authority that he's given us and speak over the mountain, which is worry and fear and anxiety, the things that bother us. Take the authority and speak over it and act like we receive it and we shall what? We shall have what we ask if we believe. And I know there's quite a bit of sickness in our family. That's why some of them ain't here tonight. They just can't go. Peggy is still pretty sick. John 14, 14 said, If you ask for anything in my name, what did he say I'll do? God gave some bold statements. Ask anything in my name and I'll do what? I will do it. Expect the impossible to become possible. I'm going to read you something for Exodus 34 and 10 that it says here. He said, the Lord said, and the Lord said, Behold, I make a covenant before all my people. I would do marvelous much as have never been seen on the face of this earth, not in any nation, and all the people among which thou art shall see all the works of the Lord. For it is terrible. In other words, it's going to be an astonishing thing what I'm going to do on earth. God is going to do some things that we ain't never seen and expected before. If we'll believe God. If we'll just believe God and start acting like what? That we already what? Have it. It's already ours. And it's a difficult time to do that sometime. Are we confident that when we pray and call on God, he hears us? How many believe that God hears us? He hears our prayers. We have to be confident also that we're going to get what we what? Ask for. Ask for. If God, good pleasure to give us what? The kingdom of God. He takes great pleasure in giving his people the kingdom of God. Galatians 6 and 1 said, If any man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. And surely this world is full of people that have been overtaken by faults. And God has said if we will pray for them, something good will happen in their lives. Others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, having even their garments spotted by the flesh. John says he shall ask, and he shall give you whatever you do what? Ask for. If we get it in our hearts and believe this. First John five sixteen, he said, You shall ask, and he shall give him life for those who have committed sin, if we will ask. Paul was a believer in prayer. First Thessalonians five twenty five, he said, Pray for us. Hebrews thirteen and eighteen, he says, Pray for us. Now, I'm going to share some things with you tonight that what's happened through the years. A wounded brother is harder to win than a fenced city, Proverbs. When somebody is wounded, it's hard to win them back. 
But nothing is impossible with what? God. Where sin bound, a, wound, a person is wounded, they, they, they let a fiery dart get into their heart and it wounded them. But grace is greater than any of their offenses to win them back to God. Nothing is too hard for who? There's nothing too hard for him. If he can just get somebody that will believe him and say these things and pray for the cure of the person. Nothing's too hard for God. Jacob, I was reading a book of healing that a woman wrote. She was a Catholic nurse. How she prayed for her husband for many years to become a Christian. And it never happened. And she asked the Lord one day, said, how come he's not changed? Anybody want to guess what the Lord said to her? I think some of you want to say it. He said, because you hadn't changed. Once you change, you'll be able to change him. A lot of times we're trying to change people when they see something in us that needs to be changed. When she took the authority to begin to change her life, automatically God dealt with her husband and he came into the church. God has a plan. I want to hope this won't come out right. God is not going to work in our plan. He's not going to work in our plan. He's only got one plan. When he called Moses up to the mountain to give him his plan, he didn't call the elders up there. When he took the disciples and gave them a plan, he didn't ask them, what do y'all think we should do? He didn't ask them. He said, this is the plan. Work the plan, and it'll work. You, you, you work the plan, and it'll work. So, wounded people can be won back. It's not too hard for God. But Jacob's prayer changed himself first. He had to be changed. 21 years working for his father-in-law, he had to be changed. He never was changed till when? At Penel. When he talked to God face to face, he was changed. And while he was, God was changing Jacob, what else was he doing? changing Esau and when they met one another Esau wanted to kill him he was on his way to kill him but when he saw Jacob they done what what did they do when they met listen God can change people's lives that's been so offensive Esau been hurting for 21 years wanting to kill Jacob things wasn't right between them but when Jacob began to pray God changed Jacob he was never the same after then. And God changed his name and called him a prince with Israel. And a lot of times in the Bible when you read after that, you, it says Israel, it means Jacob. He was changed. He was changed because of prayer, because he prayed and talked to God. He was changed. And both of them had more than enough. Jesus changed the chiefest of all sinners was the Saul of Tarsus. He changed him. He changed him in the twinkling of an eye and immediately. I remember when we was on high school lane. I don't think... Y'all remember Robert Dees? How many of you remember when he was baptized? I don't know that much about Robert Dees, but I remember when he came out of the water. He said he was a grown man. He's probably in his 40s. 
He said, I feel as clean as a newborn baby. I tell you, when you come to Christ, your old things pass away and you're clean as a newborn baby. He was cleaned. Clean. I remember some of you remember Joe Arrington. I wonder how many prayers were prayed for that man through the years. How many prayers of Sister Arrington and her daughters prayed for their daddy? All those years, he was faithful to come to church, but he just sat on the pew. But one night, the Spirit of the Lord was moving so strong. You know, we, we got a principle of theory of what we think people got to do to get saved. Is that right? You got to go through a dip in that. You got to go through this and you got to do that. But I want you to know that God can change people his ways. He got up out of that service. It was just a praise and sing and worship service. He just got up and walked out. Just went outside. This is his testimony when he come back in after he went to the altar and got the Holy Ghost. He said, I'd done that many times in my life. When the Lord get to moving on me, I'd get up and go outside. I'd walk between the cars. And the Lord would leave me. He said, sometimes it'd be so strong he wouldn't leave me, I'd start smoking. And said, he sure would leave me then. But that particular night, he come back in through those doors. I didn't see him when he first come in, but some of them did. He had, did you see him, Sister Linda? He had both hands up. That's what they said. Is that right? Both hands up. He was a huge man. He hit that altar, and God changed his life forever. Wasn't no preaching, and I believe you got to have preaching, but it wasn't any preaching. Wasn't anybody laying on a hand. I believe it laying on a hand, but sometimes you don't have to lay your hands on people. You just got to believe God. And all the Sister Arrington's prayers and her children's prayers, all those years, we don't know how long it was, God answered their prayer. Answered their prayer. I remember in 1960, in June, Peggy and I got the Holy Ghost. Twenty-one other people got the Holy Ghost. Wasn't but a little while. She and I was the only one left in the church. I'm talking about how that grew. You know, the Bible said, John told, Jesus told John, whom you see the dove light on and stays on, he's the Messiah. Sister Powell said, when I got the Holy Ghost, I got stickum. And I believe that's what God wants Christians to do when you get into church, get what? Get some stickum. You need to stick. So I've seen a lot of things through the years. How many remember Fred McCourt? They got him back there going to baptize him. He was so excited. He told him, said, I got to go first. And he had both legs down one leg of the baptism robe. They said, Jeff, you... Fred, you got to get that leg out and get it over. I ain't got time to get it out. Just help me get up in there. I said, Fred, you can't get up in there. I can. Y'all just help me. I'll get up. I got to be baptized now. I'm talking about what the Spirit of God can do when we pray. We may not see immediate answers, but we're going to see the answer fulfilled in people's lives when we pray. At a funeral the other day, Sister Sue felt led to talk to a person. She did, and that person looked at her and 
said, I thank you for your boldness to say those words to me. I didn't know that she'd talked to him, but later on after that service sometime, he'd come up to me and said, when all these things are over with, he said, I want to sit down and talk with you. I want you to know that God hears your prayers. Don't get discouraged because it doesn't happen overnight. We in a quick fix world. We want it now. And if we don't get it now in the natural, we think God is not working. But God is working day and night, and he does not sleep. Expect the impossible to become possible. Possible. How many remember Claudia Hayes? I've been in the church since 1960. When he started coming to church up here, I have never seen him come to church in my life. Maybe he did. I don't know. He never did come, come around us. But when he retired, what did he do? What did he do, Brother Clayton? I'm regular. And he went to Tony Evans, his son-in-law, said, Tony, I want you to baptize me. I want to be baptized. He died in the church. I wonder how many prayers that Sister Georgia Hayes had prayed for him all those years. He never made an effort to come to church until when? Until he retired. Well, I want it done now. Everybody wants it done now. But sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it, things do happen now. What about Max Burke? He was a loner. Sometimes him and his little old dog will go up Poor Boy's Landing and camp out by himself, leave his family for several days or maybe a week at a time, sleep on the ground, sleep in the truck. But what did he do when he, I don't never remember him coming to church, Brother Clyde. I don't never remember seeing him. But what did he do when he retired? Anybody know? He started coming to church. And one night he said, I, I don't remember who baptized him. But one night he told someone, said, I got to be baptized. Said, the Lord told me to be baptized. And he got baptized. He stayed in the church until he died. Trying to stir up our pure minds tonight, the way the remembers. Things are not always what we think they are sometimes. God is a God that's a working mightily in the church. There are two families that was here today, hadn't been here in years. They sit right over there. Met one of them, they come in the foyer out there. It was five in that family. Dustin invited one of them over a year ago. Never came. He used to come, but he never came. They talked to him this morning. He said, I had a dream last night. And God told me in that dream, you need to go to church in the morning. Listen, God is still working in people's lives. I want you to expect this place to be full. Since 1980, we have baptized. We keep a record, Peggy does. We have baptized 700 people here. Where are they today? I mean, I, God wants them people wherever they are. Whatever they're doing to be in the church and to do the things of God wants to be done. I never used to think too much of uh, unspoken requests. Never did think too much of them. That was just my feelings, you know. I believe you ought to speak out what you want. But there was a couple that lived in Nashville, Tennessee, 
had a son named Greg McCool. He made it big in the music world in Nashville. Made it big. Grew up in the church singing, but he made it big. But he lost everything. He got on drugs. Lost his family. Lost everything. Had to go on the street living. His mother and daddy asked prayer for him for years. Pray for Greg. Pray for Greg. Until they got embarrassed, they said. This is his testimony. They just say, I got what? Unspoken request. Unspoken request. One night at church, and they didn't know it. He said on to come in and sat on the back seat. I want you to remember he's on drugs, living on the streets, lost everything. And while he sat there that Wednesday night, somebody tell me what happened. The Holy Ghost fell on him and delivered him right then and there of drugs. He began to travel with his son singing, awesome singer, and telling what God can do and is willing to do. And not only that is doing, he delivered his life. Y'all remember Kenny Carpenter preached down at the other church? Real young guy. He was from Nashville, Tennessee. He went to one of the McCool's church. Billy McCool. He told us a story about a family in the church where he went to church. This mother and father had five children. They was all married and had children. They prayed for him all those years trying to get him in church and not one of them would ever come. Not one. But at the graveside, standing around the grave, all five of them got their heads together and what did they say? Anybody know help me out? Sister Sue saying it. All five of them together, the families together, agreed at the graveside. Next service, we're going to do what? We're going to go to church. And all of them went to church. All of them got baptized and filled with the Spirit of God. Five families. Because one family believed God changed the impossible to possibilities. Possible. It's possible. All things are possible. They're possible. These things are possible things. I work with Laura Revelin. He probably, not probably, he was the greatest electronic technician they had. But I never known him to come to church. Here, I, I never did know him to come to church. Somebody tell me what he did when he retired. I don't know why they do that. It doesn't matter why. And he loved Wednesday night services. He loved those. He stayed in the church until he passed away. Brother James Clayton, I think, done a lot of work for them. Believe in the impossible. Someone mentioned me the other day about going to see someone, and I did. And when I opened the door and he looked at me, he said, I've been expecting you. I've been expecting you. He went to crying. He said, I used to be a tough guy. He said, my daddy was a hard man. 
But he was listening on the radio one day. And he heard about this church. They were re-roofing the... Brother James putting a new roof on him. So he decided he would just go over. He didn't go to church, but he decided he'd go over and do what? Help them. And this guy was telling me, he said, and all those men working on that roof was full of the Holy Ghost. And it rubbed off on my daddy. He got the Holy Ghost. Hmm? He said, I never went to church. Said my wife went to Talco with some ladies and she got the Holy Ghost. But I didn't go. But I wanted the Holy Ghost. Said I prayed for years and I couldn't get it. I just couldn't get it. He said right there at that couch I was praying one night. I tell I give out and I couldn't get it. That I just fell out on the floor. Said well I guess God don't want me to have it. So when I said that the Holy Ghost fell on me. That I spoke in tongues. Listen, God looks on the heart. He's still alive. He's still moving and working in people's lives. He's still concerned. He apologized to know how many times. He said, since then, I can't help but cry. I can't help but cry. Jesus said some strong, wonderful things. When they said, Pharisees asked him to quiet his disciples down and some of them quiet them down. He said this. If these shall hold their peace and not speak the praises of the Messiah, the kingdom, the stones will immediately cry out. He's telling them if you don't cry, he's going to raise up stones that's going to cry out. God can raise up the hardest person in this world to serve him and do great things. Jesus said this in Luke 4, 19 40. I tell you, if these should be silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Then he said in Luke 3 and 8, For I say unto you that God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. If you look around in the church sometime, in some of the renegades it was, that God has miraculously changed their lives. Changed their lives. Those two families that's here this morning have been years since they've been here. But I believe it's because people are praying. And God is moving on their hearts. That's just the beginning. If we will pray, believe God, keep trusting in Him, what He's going to do. Jesus never saw or spoke like. He never did. 5,000 men in the desert hungry with their wives and children. Disciples saw like. Send them away. Jesus saw a harvest. Every time there's a crisis, there is ability to reach somebody's life. A crisis. Priest of funeral at Cortland, Sarah Deenan. Someone told me about someone in Texarkana. So we go up there to see them cause trouble in their lives. 
They may never come here. That's not the point. Not trying to win them to Calvary. It's trying to win them to God. Touching lives. Jesus saw a harvest. When disciples couldn't catch no fish, fishing was their living. That meant money in the bank for them. They had a fishing industry. Peter and James and John them. They owned a fishing industry. They had to catch fish to do what? They had employees they had to pay. But they wasn't catching any fish. And when Jesus got on the boat, he said, Guys, you're fishing on the wrong side. If you'll throw your net on the right side. We got to hear from God worth the fish. He saw abundance. They saw failure. They saw bankruptcy. A lot of the parables Jesus spoke had to deal with money. Money coming to them. He spoke in a language that they could understand. Like the guy that lost his sheep. What did that mean to that guy that had sheep? It meant money. He, he'd lost money. Brother, cow, brother Clyde, you've been in the cow business. What happened if you lost a cow? Yeah. guy told me the other day in the cow business, he said, uh, I got some needs to be sold, but said, <laughs> they ain't bringing nothing. Said, I guess I'll just keep feeding them. But if he lose one, looks what he loses. But he talked to what they was interested in. He saw a harvest when the disciples saw nothing. And he encouraged them about the harvest. He saw people. And that's what his mission's for. I want to stir up your mind in remembrance. And remember these things. And the wonderful blessings of God. There is a harvest in this city and throughout the world. There's a mighty harvest. And God, I believe, is sending them. I believe it's a good example this morning. That God moved on those families' hearts. And the other examples I give you, God moved on their hearts. And if he moved on them, he can move on anybody else. If he brought them in, he brought me in. Peggy Nim's pastor in Houston came up to visit him one time, and, and uh, he asked me about the time we got married, said, have you gotten to church yet? And I said, no. They said, what's your problem? said, we've been praying for you. We expect something to happen. It wasn't long after that something did happen. I want you to know when you pray, if it don't happen right then, you still what? If you're not delivered right then, you're going to expect what? You're going to expect it tomorrow. You're going to look at it tomorrow. So when you pray, expect an answer from God. Expect God to answer and he will answer. I can't pronounce these other words. I can, maybe, can you pronounce words? Okay, you want to come up here and pronounce that? That might help. This is. The voyage to Lourdes. We're going to lose Lourdes. Y'all don't know no difference, I don't guess, anyhow. 
how many believe that God's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore? It was a place in France today, a few years ago, where the terminally ill was carried, the worst situations in the world. And some doctors got news about what was happening there. They got on a train. There's a book on it. And they rode that train. I don't forget how long in France to get to this place. They went in and they carried them to some of the worst patients in there. And they asked them, said, can we examine these people? Because they didn't believe in the miraculous power of God. They said, yes. And after they examined them, the people were there. said, well, what do you think? said, they can't live. This one is just on the verge of death. And they asked the doctor to step back. The prayer team stepped up and began to pray. Somebody won't tell me what happened. What? They started moving, started getting up, and become alive. And got up and walked out of there. If God can speak to Ezekiel to talk to the valley of the dry bones, it's already dried out, and life come into them, first of all, skin begin to come on them and then life begin to come on them God is the same when yesterday tomorrow why can't he have people that can gather around the people that doctor says can't live and they begin to pray and what happened life starts coming and they, the doctor said we believe now we've seen And Jesus told Thomas, the reason you believe because you've seen. But blessed is he that hath not seen and you believe. If you don't believe in the miraculous, unless you can see it, you'll never what? You'll never see the miraculous. We have to believe in the miraculous to receive the miraculous. There's some wonderful stories about that in that book. I didn't bring the book. The book's at home. I want to encourage us, and I, I know Starla's sick, Peggy's really sick, Caroline is sick, they may have to carry her back to the doctor tomorrow, and there's others. Linda Schwartz is fighting cancer, but God, amen. Someone told me about Donnie Plum the other day. He's in the Dallas rehab, critical, can't walk, has to have help to walk. Called him, left a message on the phone. And he called back. I don't know where he talked to Rhonda or he left a message. He had to call him a certain time of the day, but he really appreciates somebody calling him. He appreciated that so much. The only reason I called him because somebody asked me to, because they had compassion for him. You may not be able to go sometime, but you can do what? What can you do? How many know that your phone is, doesn't just call in? It can do what? I have people sometimes tell me, say, well, don't nobody ever call me. That thing will call out. If you want to have friends, you're going to have to do what? Show yourself friendly. So God bless you for being here tonight. Expect the miraculous to happen. Expect great and mighty things to come to pass. Say to the mountain, 
We're not to ask God to remove the mountain. We're to do what? We're to speak to the mountain. And he said, if you believe, you shall have what you believe. When you speak, start acting like it. Brother James Clayton, I think, I don't remember where we went, but we went somewhere one time. Might have been when we went to see Jason McDaniels at Little Rock. I don't remember. But we got talking about the book a doctor chose. I don't know where he's read it or not, but anyhow, he, he knew. He knew. He talks about four dimensions. Four dimensions. That fourth dimension is your faith in God. You have to believe what God says and act on it. I know I've told you this story many times. He prayed for a bicycle. Y'all remember me telling you that? And what did God tell him? He prayed for months, I believe it was, for a bicycle. And what did God tell him? Joe, there's a lot of different bicycles. What kind do you want? What color do you want? He said, you've been praying for a desk. What kind of desk do you want? He said, you want a chair? He said, what kind of chair do you want? said, if you'll tell me Pacific what you want, I'll do it. He said, I want American-made bicycles. I don't forgot how many gears I wanted. He said, I want a mahogany desk. I believe it was made in China. And I want this chair that's got swivels on it and got wheels on it. And he preached it from the pulpit about his chair, his desk, and his bicycle. And some of them come up after church and said, we want to see it. He said, well, I hadn't got it yet. It's in here. He said, everywhere I went, they'd laugh at me. He said, he's pregnant with a desk and a bicycle and a chair. But tell me what happened one day. Huh? Somebody want to tell me what happened? One day, they delivered a desk exactly the way he explained it, a, wheel, a chair and a bicycle. You said, I don't know where I believe that. That's what Jesus said. If you'll speak to the mountain, believe act like say he was acting like I already got it and he got what he asked let's join ourselves together and believe in the miraculous it may look impossible but it's what possible possible amen so God bless you for being here tonight when you leave here believe you're going to live and have a great week in the Lord. God bless you in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.